Good morning. This week's True Crime story will be Fairies Mythical or Real. A fairy also Fata Fey 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 Fair Folk from Fairy 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 Realm of the Fays is a typical mythical being or legendary creature in European folklore and particularly Celtic, Slavic, German, English, and French folklore. A form of spirit often described as metaphysical, supernatural, or preternatural. Myths and stories about fairies did not have a single origin, but are rather a collection of folk beliefs from disparate sources. Various folk theories about the origins of fairies including, include casting them as either demoted angels or demons in a Christian tradition or as minor deities in pre-Christian pagan belief systems, as spirits of the dead, as prehistoric precursors to humans, or as elementals. <coughs> the label of fairy has a hard time, has, a, has at times applied only to specific magical creatures with human appearance, small stature, magical powers, and a penchant for trickery. At other times, it has been used to describe any magical creatures such as goblins and gnomes. Fairy has at times been used as an adjective with a meaning equivalent to enchanted or magical. A recurring motif of legends about fairies is the need to ward off fairies using protective charms. <coughs> Common examples of such charms include church bells, wearing clothing inside out, four-leaf clover, and food. Fairies were also sometimes thought to haunt specific locations and to lead travelers astray using willow the wisps before the end of modern medicine, fairies were often blamed for sickness, particularly tuberculosis and birth deformities. In addition to their folkloric origins, fairies were a common feature of Renaissance literature and romantic art and were especially popular in the United Kingdom during the Victorian and Edwardian eras. The Celtic of also fairies established as a can- canonical part of Celtic cultural heritage. Etymology the English fairy derives from Old French form fairy, F-A-I-E-R-I-E, a derivation from fae, F-I-E, from vulgar Latin, fata, F-A-T-A, with the abstract noun suffix eerie, E-R-I-E. In Old French romance, a fae or fee was a woman skilled in magic and who knew the power and virtue of words, of stones, and of herbs. Fairy was used to represent an illusion or enchantment. The land of the fays collected the inhabitants thereof. An individual such as a fairy knight, fay became modern English fay, F-A-Y, while fairy became fairy, F-A-R-Y, but this spelling almost exclusively refers to one individual, the same meaning as fay, F-A-Y. In the sense of land where fairies dwell, archaic spellings fairy, F-E-A-Y, F-A-E-R-Y and fairy, F-A-E-R-I-E, are still in use. Latinate fey is not related to the Germanic fey, F-E-Y, meaning fated to die, but some dictionaries do list fey, F-E-Y, as a kind of fairy. Various folklore traditions (coughs) (coughs) refer to fairies euphemistically as we folk, good folk, people of peace, fair folk, Wash tag, etc. <coughs> Historical development. 
The term fairy is sometimes used to describe any magical creature including goblins and gnomes, while at other times the word the term describes only a specific type of ethereal creature or sprite. The concept of fairy in the narrow sense is unique to English folklore. Later made diminutive in accordance with prevailing tastes of the Victorian heiress, as in fairy tales for children. Historical origins include various traditions of Celtics, Britons, Welsh people, Gaelics, Irish, Scots, Germanic people, and a French, Middle French Romantic people. Fairy was used ejectly meaning enchanted as in fairy knight, fairy queen, but also became a generic term for various enchanted creatures during the late Middle English period. Literature of the Elizabethan era conflated elves with the fairies of Romance culture and rendering these terms somewhat interchangeable. The Victorian era and Edwardian era saw a heightened increase of interest in fairies. The Celtic revival cast fairies as part of Ireland's cultural heritage. Carol Silvers and others suggested this fascination of English antiquarians arose from a reaction to greater industrialization and loss of older folk ways. Descriptions Fairies are generally described as human in appearance and having magical powers. Diminutive fairies of various kinds have been reported through centuries, ranging from quite tiny to the size of a human child. These small sizes can be magically assumed rather than constant. Some smaller fairies could expand their figures to imitate humans. On Orkney, fairies were described as short in stature, dressed in dark gray, sometimes seen in armor. In some folklore, fairies have green eyes. Some depictions of fairies show them with footwear. Others are barefoot. Wings, while common in Victorian and later artworks, are rare in folklore. Fairies flew by means of magic. Some that's perched on ragwort stems or the backs of birds. Modern illustrations often include dragonfly or butterfly wings. Origins. Early modern fairies does not derive from a single origin. The term is a conflation of disparate elements from folk belief sources. Influenced by literature and speculation. In folklore of Ireland, the mythic Aes, Aes, Sidhe, Sidhe, or Little Folk have come to modern meaning somewhat inclusive of fairies. The Scandinavian elves also served as an influence. <coughs> Folklorists and mythologists have variously depicted fairies as the unworthy dead, the children of Eve, a kind of demon a species independent of humans, and older race of humans, and fallen angels. The folklorists and mytholo mythological elements combined Celtic, Germanic, and Greco-Roman elements. Folklore suggested that fairies arose from various earlier beliefs, which lost currency with the advent of Christianity. These disparate expressions are not necessarily incompatible, as fairies may be traced to multiple sources. Christian Mythology King James, in his dissertation, Demonology, stated the term fairies referred to illusory spirits, demonic entities, that prophesied to, consorted with, and transported the Indians they served. In medieval times, a witch or sorcerer who had a compact with a familiar spirit might receive these services. Demoted angels. A Christian tenant held that fairies were a class of demoted angels. One story described a group of angels revolting and God ordering the gates of heaven shut. Those still in heaven remained angels, those in hell became demons, and those caught in between became fairies. Others wrote that some angels, not being godly enough, yet 
not evil enough for hell, are thrown out of heaven. This concept may explain the tradition of paying a tithe or tithe to hell. As fallen angels, although not quite devils, they could be viewed as subjects of Satan. In English theophist circles of the 19th century, a belief in the angelic nature of fairies was reported. Entities referred to as divas were said to guide many processes of nature, which as evolution of organisms, growth of plants, etc., many of which resided inside the sun, solar angels. The more earthbound divas included nature, spirits, elementals, and fairies, which were described as appearing in the form of colored flames, roughly the size of a human. Arthur Conan Doyle, in his The Coming of the Fairies, the Theosophic View of Fairies, reported that eminent Theosophist E.L. Gardner had likened fairies to butterflies, whose function was to provide an essential link between the energy of the sun and plants of earth describing them as having no clean-cut shape, small, hazy, and somewhat luminous clouds of color with a brighter, spark-like nucleus. That growth of a plant, which we regard as a customary and inevitable result of associating the three factors of sun, seed, and soil, <coughs> would never take place if the fairy builders were absent. Demoted pagan deities. At one time, it was thought that fairies were originally worshipped as minor deities, such as nymphs and tree spirits, and with the burgeoning predominance of the Christian Church, reverence for these deities carried on, but in a dwindling state of perceived power. Many deprecated deities of older folklore and myth were repurposed as fairies in Victorian fiction. Fairies as demons. A recorded Christian belief of the 17th century cast all fairies as demons. This perspective grew more popular with the rise of Puritanism among the Reformed Church of England, or Anglicanism. The hobgoblin, once a friendly house spirit, became classed as wicked goblin. Dealing with fairies was considered a form of witchcraft and punished as such. A William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, Oberon, king of the fairies, states that neither he nor his court feared the church bells, which the renowned author and Christian apologist C.S. Lewis cast as a politic dissociation from fairies. In an era of intellectual and religious upheaval, some Victorian reappraisals in mythology, cast deities in general as metaphors for natural events, which was later refuted by other authors. The Triumph of the Moon by Ronald Hutton. The, this contentious environment was th of thought contributed to the modern meeting of fairies. Spirits of the Dead. One belief held that fairies were spirits of the dead. This derived from many factors in common of various folklore and myths. Same or similar tales of both ghosts and fairies. The Irish city origin of their term or for fairies were ancient burial grounds deemed dangerous to eat food in fairyland and Hades. The dead and fairies depicted as living underground Diane Perkis observed an equating of fairies with the untimely dead who loved unfinished lives. One tale recounts a man caught by the fairies who found that whenever he looked steadily at a fairy, it appeared as a dead neighbor of his. This theory was among the more common traditions related through many informants also expressed doubts. A hidden people. There is a theory that fairy folklore evolved from folk members of a prehistoric race. Newcomers superseded a body of early human or humanoid peoples, and the members of this defeated race developed into modern conceptions of fairies. Proponents find support in the tradition of cold iron as a cult charm against fairies viewed as a cultural memory of invaders with iron weapons of displacing peoples who had just stone 
bone, wood, etc. at their disposal and were easily defeated. 19th century archaeologists uncovered underground rooms in the Orkney Islands that resembled the elf land described in Child Roland, which he lent additional support. In folklore, flint arrowheads from the Stone Age were attributed to the fairies as elf shot, while the green clothing and underground homes spoke to a need for camouflage and covert shelter from hostile humans. The magic a necessary skill for combating those with superior weaponry. In the Victorian tenet of evolution, mythic cannibalism among ogres was attributed to memories of more savage races practicing alongside superior races of more refined sensibilities. In Elementals, a theory that fairies at all were intelligent species distinct from humans and angels. An alchemist Paracelsus, class gnomes and sylphs, as elementals, many magical entities who personify a particular force of nature and exert powers over these forces. Folklore accounts have described fairies as spirits of the air. Characteristics Much more folklore of fairies involves methods of protecting oneself from the mouths by means such as cold iron charms, amulet talisman of rowan trees or various herbs, or simply shunning locations known to be theirs. Ergo, avoiding, offending, or any fairies. Less harmful practices described to fairies include tangling the hair of sleepers into fairy locks, a.k.a. elf locks, stealing small items, and leading a traveler astray. More dangerous behaviors were also attributed to fairies. Any form of sudden death might stem from a fairy kidnapping the evident corpse, a magical replica of wood. Consumption tuberculosis was sometimes blamed on fairies who forced young men and women to dance at revels every night caused them to waste away for lack of rest. Rowan trees were considered sacred to fairies and a charmed tree to protect one's home. Classifications. In Scottish folklore, fairies are divided into the seely court, more beneficially inclined but still dangerous, and the unseely court, more malicious, while fairies of the seely court enjoyed playing general, generally harmless pranks on humans. Those of the unseely court were brought, often brought home to humans for entertainment. Trooping fairies refers to those who appear in groups and might form settlements as opposed to solitary fairies who do not live or associate with others of this kind. In this context, the term fairy is usually held in a wider sense, including various similar beings such as dwarves and elves of Germanic folklore. Changelings. A considerable amount of lore about fairies revolves around changelings, fairy children left in the place of stolen human babies. In particular, folklore describes how to prevent the fairies from stealing babies and substituting changelings and abducting older people as well. The theme of the swapped child is common in medieval literature and reflects concern over infants thought to be afflicted with unexplained diseases, disorders, or developmental disabilities. In pre-industrial Europe, a peasant family subsisted frequently depended upon the productive labor of each member, and a person who was a permanent drain on a family's scarce resources could pose a threat to the survival of the entire family. Protective Charms In terms of protective charms, wearing clothing inside out, church bells, St. John's Ward, and, four, and four-leaf clovers are regarded as effective. In Newfoundland folklore, the fob, most popular type of fairy protection is bread, varying from stale bread to hard tack or a slice of fresh homemade bread, bread associated with the home and the hearth, as well as with industry and the taming of nature, and as such seems to be disliked by some types of fairies. On the other hand, in much of the Celtic folklore, baked goods are a traditional offering to the folk as are cream and butter. The prototype of food and therefore the symbol of bread was one of the commonest protections against fairies. 
before going out into a fairy haunted place, it was customary to put a piece of dry bread in one's pocket. In County Wexford Island in 1882, it was reported that if an infant is carried out of dark, carried out after dark, a piece of bread is wrapped in its bed or dra- bib or dress, and this protects it from any witchcraft or evil. Bells also have an ambiguous well, while they protect against fairies, the fairies riding on horseback, such as the fairy queen, often have bells on their harness. This may be a distinguishing trait between the seely court from the unseely court, such that fairies use them to protect themselves from more wicked members of their race. Another ambiguous piece of folklore revolves about poultry. A cock's crow drove away fairies, but other tales recount fairies keeping poultry. While many Fairies will confuse travelers on the path. The will of the wisp can be avoided by not following it. Certain locations known to be haunts of fairies are to be avoided. C.S. Lewis reported hearing of a cottage more feared for its reported fairies than its reported ghosts. In particular, digging in fairy hills was unwise. Paths that the fairies travel are also wise to avoid. Homeowners have knocked corners from houses because the corner blocked the fairy path. And cottages have been built with the front and back doors in line so that the owners could indeed indeed leave them all, both of them to let the fairies troop through all night. Locations such as fairy forests were left undisturbed, even cutting brush on fairy forests was reputed to be the death of those who performed the act. Fairy trees such as thorn trees were dangerous to chop down. One such tree was left alone in Scotland, though it prevented a road being widened for 70 years. Other actions were believed to offend fairies. Brandies were known to be driven off by being given clothing, though some folktales recounted that they were offended by inferior quality of the garments given and others merely stated it, some even recounting that the brownie was delighted with the gift and left with it. Other brownies left households or farms because they heard a complaint or a compliment. People who saw the fairies were all advised not to look closely because they resented infringements on their privacy. They need not be... They need to not offend them could lead to problems. One farmer found that fairies threshed his corn, but the threshing continued after all his corn was gone, and he concluded that they were stealing from his neighbors, leaving him the choice between offending them, dangerous in itself, and profiting by the theft. Millers were thought by the Scots to be no canny owing to their ability to control the forces of nature, such as fire in the kiln, water in the burn, and for being able to set machinery a whirring, superstitious communities sometimes believe that the mill must be in league with the fairies. In Scotland, fairies were often mischievous and to be feared. No one dared to set foot in the mill or kiln at night, as it was known that the fairies brought their corn to be milled after dark. So long as the locals believed this, the miller could sleep secure in the knowledge that stores were not being robbed. John Fraser, the miller of White Hill, claimed to have hidden and watched the fairies trying successfully to unsuccessfully to work the mill. He said he decided to come out of hiding and help them, upon which one of the fairy women gave him a gal pen, double handful of meal, and told him to put it in his empty gurnal store, saying that the store would remain full for a long time, no matter how much he took out. It's also believed that to know the name of a particular fairy could summon it, to enforce it to your bidding. The name could be used as an insult towards the fairy in question, but it could also rather contradictorily be used to grant powers or gifts to the user. <coughs> Before the advent of modern medicine, many physiological conditions were untreatable, and when children were born with abnormalities, it was common to blame the fairies. Legends Sometimes fairies 
are described as assuming the guise of an animal in Scotland is peculiar to the fairy women to assume the shape of deer, or witches became mice, hares, cats, gulls, or black sheep. In the legend of Nakshigalna, in order to frighten a farmer who passes his herd on the fairy ground, a fairy queen took an on the appearance of a great horse with the wings of an eagle and a tail like a dragon, hissing loud with spitting fire. Then she would change it to a little man, lame of leg, with a bull's head and a lame flame playing around it. In the 19th century child ballad, Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight, the Elf Knight is a bluebird figure, and Isabel must trick and kill him to preserve her life. Child ballad Tam Lynn reveals that the title character, through though living among the fairies and having fairies, was in fact an earthly knight, and thought his life was pleasant. Now he feared that the fairies would pay him as their tithe to hell. Sir Orpheus tells how Sir Orpheus' wife was kidnapped by the king of fairy, and only by trickery and excellent harping ability was he able to win her back. Sir Degar narrates the tale of, the, of a woman overcome by her fairy lover, who in later versions of the story is unmasked as a mortal. Thomas the Rhymer shows... Thomas escaping with less difficulty, but he spends seven years in Elfland. Oisin is harmed not by his stay in Fairy, but by his return when he dismounts the three centuries that have passed catch up with him, reducing to an aged man, King Hurla, O.E. Hurla signing, originally a guise of Walden, but later christianized as a king in a tale by Walter Mapp, was said by map to have visited the dwarf's underground mansion and returned three centuries later, although only some, only some of his men crumbled to dust on dismounting. Hurla and his men who did not dismount were trapped on horseback, this being one account of the origin of the wild hunt of European folklore. A common feature of fairies is their use of magic to disguise appearance. Fairy gold is notoriously unreliable, appearing as gold when paid, but soon thereafter really thought to be leaves, gorse, blossoms, gingerbread cakes, or a variety of other comparatively worthless things. These illusions are also implicit in the tales of fairy ornament. Many tales from Northern Europe tell of a mortal woman summoned to attend the fairy birth, sometimes attending a mortal kidnapped woman's child bed. Invariably, the woman is given something for the child's eyes, usually an ornament through mischance or sometimes curiosity. She uses it in one of both of her own eyes. At that point, she sees where she is. One midwife realized that she was not attending a great lady in a fine house, but her own runaway maidservant in a wretched cave. She escapes without making her billy known, but sooner or later betrays that she can see the fairies. She is inevitably blinded in that eye or in both if she used in the ointment in both. There have been claims by people in the past, like William Blake, to have seen fairy funerals. Alan Cunningham, in his Lives of Intimate British Painters, records that William Blake claimed to have seen a fairy funeral. Did you ever see a fairy funeral, madam? Said Blake to a lady who happened to sit next to him. Never, sir, said the lady. I have, said Blake, but not before last night. And he went on to tell how in his garden he had seen a procession of creatures of the size and color of green and gray grasshoppers bearing a broad he laid out on a rose leaf, which they buried with songs and then disappeared. They are believed to be the omen of death. Tuatha de Danann. The Tuatha de Danann are a race of supernatural gifted people in Irish mythology. They are thought to be present to represent the main deities of pre Christian Gaelic Ireland. Many of the Irish tales of the Tuatha de Danann refer to these fair beings as fairies, though in more ancient times. 
they regarded as goddesses and gods. The Tuatha de Danann were spoken as having <coughs> having come from islands in the north of the World War or In other sources from the sky, after being defeated in a series of battles with other otherworldly beings, and then by the ancestors of the current Irish people, they were said to have withdrawn to the Sidhi fairy mounds, where they lived on in popular imagination as fairies. They are associated with several other world realms, including Mag Mel, the Pleasant Plain, Emain Ablock, the Fortress of Apples, or the Land of Promise, or the Isle of Women, and Turin, the Gog, the Land of Youth. AOC. The AOC is the Irish term for a supernatural race of Irish and Scottish compared to the fairies or elves. They are variously said to be to be ancestors, <coughs> the spirits of nature, are goddesses and gods. A common theme found among <coughs> the Celtic nations describes a race of diminished people who have been driven into hiding by invading humans. In old Celtic fairy lore, the AOC. In old Celtic fairy lore, the AOC fairy folk <coughs> are immortals living in an ancient barrels and cairns. The Irish banshee, Irish Gaelic being sea, or Scottish garlic being shith, which both being woman of the fairy mound. <coughs> and sometimes described as a ghost. Sorry, I got a tickle in my throat that made me cough. In 1691, the secret commonwealth of elves, fawns, and fairies, Reverend Robert Kirk, minister of the parish of Aberfoyle, Sterling, Scotland, wrote, These sets of fairies they call sleek, meath, or the good people are said to be of middle nature between man and angel, as were demons thought to be of old, of intelligent fluids, fluid spirits, and light, changeable bodies, like those called astral, somewhat of the nature of a condensed cloud, and best seen in Twilight. These bodies be so pliable through the subtlety of spirits that can agitate them, they can make them disappear or disappear at pleasure. In literature, the word fairy was used to describe an individual inhabiting a fairy before the time of Chaucer. Fairies appeared in medieval romances as one of the beings that a knight errant might encounter. A fairy later appeared to to Sir Lawn Fall and demanded his love like the very bride of ordinary folklore. She imposed a prohibition on him that in time he violated Sir Orpheus' wife, was carried off by the king of fairy, who won a Bador aided by King Oberon. These fairy characters dwindled in number as the medieval era progressed. The figures became wizards and enchantresses. The oldest fairies on record in England were first described by the historian Gervais of Tilbury in the 13th century. Morgan Le Fay, whose connection to the realm of fairy is implied in her name in La Morte de Arthur, is a woman whose magical magic power stems from study. While somewhat diminished with time, fairies never completely vanished from the tradition. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is a late tale, but the Green Knight himself is an otherworldly being. Edmund Spencer featured fairies in the Fairy Queen. In many works of fiction, fairies are freely mixed with the myths of satyrs of classic 
classical tradition, while others, e.g. Lemia, they were seen as displacing the classical beings. 15th century poet and monk John Lydgate wrote that King Arthur was crowned in the land of the fairy and taken in his death by four fairy queens to Avalon, where he lies under a fairy hill until he is needed again. Fairies appear as significant characters of William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, which is set simultaneously in the woodland and in the realm of fairy, under the light of the moon, and in which a disturbance, <coughs> a disturbance of nature caused by a fairy dispute creates tension underlying the plot and informing the actions of the characters, according to Maurice Hunt, chair of the English department at Baylor University. <coughs> The blurring of the identities of fantasy and realm makes possible that pleasing narcotic dreaminess associated with fairies of the play. Stay continued for part two of fairies in part two.